When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Ready. Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we'd go belly up, so we made it our name, and we're still here. Coming up on the Behind the Mic Podcast, NFL player evaluation has gone from simple newspapers and magazines to poking and prodding from scouts both mentally and physically in combines and pro days. Here's its genesis. You're behind the mic with Michael Neal Jr. All right, got my papers ready. We prepared, and as they say in the church, I will not be before you long. This is the Behind the Mic podcast. <laughs> Welcome in. Welcome in. Uh, the open. The open. I forgot the open. NFL historians and lovers of sports histories, welcome. This show is for you. I guess I'm in a hurry to get this. to get to it. <laughs> if you already know this stuff, look. What do we have for him, Johnny? A new car. I'm just kidding. This show is for those who don't know as much about NFL history. So we are here to do what? Enlighten, teach, and learn. Now I say this. It is the Behind the Mic podcast presented by Belly Up Sports, the Belly Up Sports podcast network. Go to bellyupsports.com. Click on it. Listen to the shows, especially mine. Listen to mine first, as a matter of fact. And also listen uh, to the shows, watch the shows, click on the articles, read them. We have some really, really good content, especially for you NFL people. This week is the draft, finally. But you can catch all of our shows as well as my own, except on YouTube. <laughs> Spreaker, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. I do have something cooking for you too um I, th- I think you guys will like it you, you'll appreciate it we'll uh once we get all of those things worked out and ironed out you'll see it you'll see it and we'll start talking about it so finally it's draft week who's excited i'm excited i'm kind of excited i mean the pittsburgh steelers that's my squad we need a little bit of everything and i don't want them to reach for a quarterback and the one quarterback well actually there's two 
the 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 quarterbacks that we're probably I would say that my my personal preference, Desmond Ritter and Malik Willis, especially Malik Willis. He'll probably be the second, if not the first, quarterback off the board this weekend. Um, I, I mean, I, coming out, I loved – I didn't know as much about Malik Willis, okay? Uh, and I've already seen that he and heard that he is a better prospect uh, than, you know, some of the guys that came before him. Um, will that happen? We don't know. We won't know until they actually have to snap the football and it's going to mean something. Now, when you are running around in your uh, in your underwear, which is what we're talking about today, uh, the NFL Combine, we talked about the history last week. Today is going to be more about, you know, a little bit of the history behind the Combine. Pro days, uh, that's something that's included as well. But when they do all of those things and you get to see what their abilities are supposed to be, their workout warriors, you've had the, the success stories, you've had those who were really good when it comes to the combine and all that stuff, and then they are trash. Uh, dumpster juice when they get into the league. They were made to be, what, I mean, on some game show doing these things, or maybe they should have run track or something instead of play football because that's what they uh, looks like they were made to do and what they prepared to do. But NFL draft, you know, I'm, I'm looking at these guys, and yes, personally, yeah, I want someone that's going to replace Ben Roethlisberger now. I, we're going to have to replace him eventually, and we never draft low and I mean high enough, really, in, in the past, you know, 15 to 20 years. I think we've been as high as eight, but we're not drafting number one. We're not drafting two, unless we were to trade up into that spot and give away half the team to do so. I would love for them to be able to pick up Malik Willis. I would love for them to be able to pick up Desmond Ritter, who actually I've seen didn't look as good and as far as workouts. I'm going to be honest with you, like some other, I guess, certain aspects of the offseason programs that are put on for prospects, I don't care about it. Can you play football? In the end, that's what that's what everybody should care about. Well, you have your, your mock drafts and then your favorite players. Uh, I saw in one mock draft, I'm not meaning to make this Steelers-centric, but supposedly they're going to trade with Minnesota at 12, and it would be a good idea if they selected Matt Corral. I mean, I like the boy. I, I like the kid, rather. He, he shows some really good athleticism and uh, being able to play the way that he did for Ole Miss and in the SEC. I just pray that the kid can stay healthy. There's no sense in you – yeah, uh, being able to do all these things and you can barely be on the field. We'll get to that a little bit later too. Then you got all these other great prospects, the Jordan Davises uh, from out of out of Georgia and Aiden Hutchinson, who's supposed to be the number one pick out of Michigan. Uh, Desmond Ritter, of course, like I said, and then you have a, a slew of wide receivers: Chris Olave and Drake London out of USC, and Jamison Williams out of Alabama. Olave, of course, is out of the Ohio State. Uh, Sauce Gardner. Another one of those great prospects coming out of Cincinnati as a cornerback. And Trayvon Walker, another one of those great defenders from Georgia. Evan Neal, Alabama. Kayvon Thibodeau, I mean, I like this kid as well, but I need him to stay healthy as well. So, I, you know, Oregon, when he played, the dude was a beast. And when he wasn't on the field, it, stuff didn't end as well. Kyle Hamilton, I like him out of Notre Dame. You have your favorites, you know, the guys who are known. But then day two is when you're really going to find the guys that are going to really, really shine. The, su the sunlight is going to be shining down 
um, the spotlights are really going to be on those first-round picks, of course, and the guys that fall out of the first round. But day two and three is when you're going to find the gold, okay? So those are the ones who's going to be the meat of your team. I'm excited to see what happens. You know, what are your team needs? You know, who, who are you going to boo? What are you going to be upset about? You're going to have all kinds of podcasts and everything that's going to be, ah, you know, they, they did this great or they, they were terrible in this and we're going to, you know, speculate and, and argue over who should have took who and, and where and why. And it's all going to come down to the simple fact uh, that's going to happen once the season kicks off is whether they could or could not play football in the long run. Unfairly enough, they get judged after, what, a couple of games. Don't even talk about preseason. <laughs> They're going to get judged after a couple of games, not even a full season, and maybe even one season. We'll see in the end, but it's the entrance to the NFL is what it's all about. And when you get down to it, all of this poking and prodding of players leading up to the draft, you know, we talked last week about why have the draft in the first place. Well, I'm in the process of beginning to read a book that was written by Mike Florio. One of the things that he discussed in there is how he hates the draft, even though he loves his livelihood, of course, and talking about the draft and likes the draft. uh, Well, I guess maybe it's more so the coverage of it. He does not like the draft process at all. Just to uh, simplify it, he would rather see players. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. Be able to choose where they want to go, just like they choose where they go to college and they will be able to choose a job in any other industry, not the job choose them. Well, I mean, of course, my argument is always going to be, and it's just be real. The reason for the NFL draft in the first place, it saved the NFL in the thirties. Remember when let's take you back, kick the music. It was all of Burt Bell's idea. Burt Bell, who ended up being the second commissioner of the national football league, he saw that his Eagles at the time, because he was an owner at the time in 1934, 35, you know, his team was bad. And they continued to be bad even after his idea of the NFL draft was put into action. But it was all about getting a fair shake for the, the, the have-nots. The haves were the Bears. It was the Packers. It was the Giants. And it was the Washington football team. Those were the four teams that were in the championships all the time. Everybody else, they stunk. The teams who had the money had the players. And the teams that had the players, they were winning. And that's the way that it was. And when you're a league that is holding on by a very thin thread, you have to have, you can't be top hit. That was the problem of the AAFC. One of the reasons why it went away, it was all about the 49ers. And really, uh, it was about, well, half the time, the New York Yankees football team, but really it was all about the Cleveland Browns. They dominated all four years, going undefeated, which isn't recognized in NFL history, but in the All-America Football Conference, they won all four championships. Boom, 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 boom. And it was top-heavy. 
It didn't have everything to do with money and fans and things like that, but you didn't want to be top heavy. That's what was going to happen to the National Football League. It probably would have faded away uh, into the ether or whatever you want to call it had they not instilled a draft, if they had not installed that idea of an NFL draft in 1936 there's no telling what would have happened to the nfl which did not kick off its popularity until 1958 that sudden death overtime game between the colts and the giants in which the colts won in overtime and it was on tv and it was great and everybody was like yes pro football it wasn't all about at that moment it wasn't all about professional baseball or college football which were the two sports of the times Football was a distant, I don't even call it third, to be honest with you, but pro football was already kind of in a struggle because of the depression and all the other things they had to endure, not to mention the AAFC, which was the sixth professional league to try to challenge them. There's the reason why they weren't very inviting to any of these leagues, and they failed. Two of the five, the first five, didn't even play a game or sign a player. So when you have stuff like that that happens, um, you have to do what's best for you. When you're a league or a business that's trying to grow, you have to do what's best for you. Even if it's at a competitor's detriment, that's why they call it a competitor. Somebody's trying to come out on top, right? You're trying to have paying customers on a regular basis. And then even in the AAFC, for instance, their club that was in Chicago, they failed misery, was supposed to be the crown jewel. For three years, they were Chicago Rockets. In the last year, they changed it to the Chicago Hornets. Four straight years, they changed coaching staffs and ownership. It was ridiculous. Part of that is because they were competing with the Chicago Bears and the Chicago Cardinals. That doesn't help. They got stamped out really fast. So when you finally put in this NFL draft, what was the point of it? Well, before that, it was college free, free agents. That's basically what players were they signed where they wanted to sign and of course the struggle with the aafc which lasted longer than any of the first five leagues well really three let's just call it the first three that actually played games salaries were going through the roof and it was costing owners too much money to bid on these college free agents um and there's the other thing it's basically a giant job fair you know when when you have a in a, a combine and that's, that's pretty much what we're talking about today. Why have the draft? Well, you're trying to cut back on the salaries and the free agency. And then let's just say there's always been sort of a quasi job fair. And really it was just between reading the newspapers, seeing what the All-America team was, you wrote those names on the board and they didn't necessarily have to work out for you as they do now. The NFL combine came along way way later um and the other thing and i'm just going to put this out here now you ask about pro days i still haven't found a history at all on pro days except one thing which i'll get to in the latter part of the show but there always has been where you had people traveling and going to college campuses and seeing these players and talking about these players and inquiring about these seniors and as far as playing professional football is concerned so then <laughs> eventually you would have an nfl combine 
So it was about the money. Yes, you want to boost the money. If you talk about now, uh, and they want to test your physical as well as your mental evaluation. That's what takes place. And you're going to have interviews. Like I said, a job fair. After the draft was set in motion, then you had to have something to try to evaluate the players on an even keel. Try to see who's good, not just on the field, not just watching film. You want to have some face-to-face and see them move around in front of you, right? Then became four days in Indianapolis. That's what ended up happening. So, with that, what's most important to these guys when it comes down to it? Of course, number one is going to be medical evaluations. If you're not on the field, then what good are you? Why are we paying you? You can compare that to any job in any industry. If you call out sick all the time, then you're not helping us at all. There's no production. You're not helping us at all. They're going to look at Jamison Williams of Alabama. They're going to look at John Mechie of Alabama, two of the best receivers in the country, both blew out a knee. <laughs> what, back-to-back games or two, two, three weeks in a, um, you know, within a three-week period? And will they heal now? Yes. Of course, that was a problem, even more of a problem back in the day when someone tore an ACL. That was like almost death to your career. It's like, can he recover? Doctors have come a long way. Medical has come a long way. But they're still going to look at you. They're going to look at some of these players. Like I said, Matt Corral, he seemed like he was he was hurt a lot this past season. Um, if you have an injury history of any kind, Kayvon Thibodeau, then they're going to see. They're going to draft you high. But <clears throat> let's see what happens. Because if you get hurt too, one too many times in the league, they've seen this coming. We've seen him in college. In college, you know, he had the elbow injury. In college, he had this. That's why I feel bad for Michigan's David Ojabo. He tore in a pro, uh, pro day. If you're not familiar, this happened, what, about a month or so ago? He tore his, I believe it was his, uh, not his ACL, but he tore his, he tore his Achilles. And right there in front of all of these scouts, he tore his Achilles during that private that with that workout that he was doing the pro day pro days is basically what happens after the indianapolis combine and it happens at every school between what um what uh march and april probably like the first week of april every school has one but you know they have the smaller schools that will go to a bigger school and that is another part of the job fair those who don't get invited to the combine or they want to improve on their combine numbers right then they're going to have a second chance by doing their pro day receivers are more uh, comfortable with their own quarterbacks quarterbacks more comfortable with their receivers and i believe that you know the players overall are more comfortable with their coaches being around and being in their own environment and their surroundings um that's what a pro day is for when you have injuries like that it's a red flag but number one is medical evaluation two they want to know you're not crazy i recently got a job uh, as a board op is my first job official job in the industry i'm a board op and producer for a radio station here in nashville and one of the first things uh that our manager told us or told me rather was that yeah we're going to bring you in you know for you know a little short interview but we also want to uh you know bring you in for the little give you a tour of the place we just want to know you're not crazy so i mean so plenty of nfl players slip through the cracks 
not everybody. It, some people get pulled pull over a Scooby-Doo mask and then they get revealed once they get the plan and they get a little change in their pocket and then they want to go off the rails. And I mean, not every interview is going to reveal everybody, but they're going to do it, right? Um, and going back to the, uh, the medical part, you have uh, lab work and x-rays, EKGs, MRIs. They have these players sent to hospitals and they have all of this stuff done, whether it's at the stadium uh, in Indianapolis or they send you out to the local hospital to have these things done. And they're both for not only your future health to see where you will be, but also for the combine itself. They don't want you running around out there and have a heart attack. That would defeat the purpose, correct? So you wanna know uh, not if this guy could play in the league, but is he fit enough to even compete at this point in the combine we don't want you to hurt yourself <laughs> anymore or have some kind of hidden issues that may rise up later on stuff happens those interviews they have 15 minute interviews they'll have what you know four or five uh guys in, in as far as the doctors looking at you uh per room and things like that it's, it's a rigorous thing but it has to be done um you have drug testing uh neurological testing and then, of course, there's the famous Wonderlick, the, or the Wonderlick uh, was it cognitive ability test. That test, 50 questions, and you have to answer 50 questions in 12 minutes. Basically, you're answering as many of these quick, fast-thinking assessment questions as you can, right? And then you have the phys uh, psychological testing. All of this stuff goes down in the first two days of the combine, and. Then you get to the stuff that everybody loves, which is the on the field stuff, the physical stuff, the stuff that the fans love, right? Uh, so it's you know, it's pretty much, it's, it's like a track meet. You have the 40 yard dash. You have the bench press, you know, for the 220. How many times can you bench 225? You have the verticals, the 20 and 60 yard shuttle runs and the broad jumps and the three cone drills. And then you have the position specific drills where you have, you know, you got guys running routes and of course the quarterbacks are throwing them and you have the linemen that are going through blocking drills. This is all without equipment, of course. And they want to know what the results, they do the best and the worst of these results. You have guys like Tom Brady who looked really doughy when he had off his shirt and really skinny as well. <laughs> his combine was not great. That's the reason why he was drafted 199 overall in the sixth round. I mean, even guys like Terrell Suggs and Anquan Bolden, they weren't great. And all three of these guys, I don't know about Bolden, he, he's, you know, I think he'll get in the Hall of Fame, but the other two, pretty, they, they, they all three players were really great. They, they were really good at their jobs. Just because they did so poorly in the combine did not matter. They could play football when the grass is cut and the ball is snapped. That's really all that matters. You stay healthy and you can play, then that's what matters most. So all of this stuff goes on to measure a player's ability to play football. Football. You understand? To play football. I guess, <laughs> uh, and I understand it, it's, it's gone a long ways from just looking at a magazine and an All-America team and saying, all right, Jay Burwanger, he's the first pick of this draft, and we're the Philadelphia Eagles, and we're going to pick him first, except Jay Burwanger said, nah, I'm good, I'm going to go sell rubber. So, 
uh, even though he won the Heisman Trophy. Now, different times. Maybe it would have worked out for the Eagles in 2022. So you select the best running back or the best player in the country. Um, although we know that that's not always foolproof. But anyway, when you have all of these things that go on uh, in the combine, but how in the world did we even get there? Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a world. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. So just letting you know right off the top, I took the Wonderlick. I've done it before. Don't even remember what I got on it. I took it the other day. Uh, um, I got a 13. <laughs> I got a 13. I think the, the ah, golly, some punter from the Cincinnati Bengals actually had a perfect, sto- uh, a perfect score. And he got all 50 questions right. And then thank Mike Mamula who was the defensive lineman out of Boston College, he had a 49. Um, He was a decent player, but he was selected before Warren Sapp, for uh, for example. And Warren Sapp, obviously, he was a beast. And uh, the Eagles, you know, they picked him. He was all right. I mean, the dude was a defensive lineman. that ran like a 4540, 4'6", 4'5", 4'40". And he showed great athleticism all the way across the board. And his Wonder League test was out out of, you know, just... Boom. And then, of course, there's the beard himself, Ryan Fitzpatrick. Ryan Fitzpatrick actually got a 48. You know, he's a Harvard guy, right? Ivy League. He got a 48 on the Wonderlick, and he took it in like a record nine minutes. So, I mean, you have that. But does it mean a whole lot? Not a whole lot. I mean, my score is a 13. It's the same as Ray Lewis got. Ray Lewis is a Hall of Fame linebacker. What's even funnier is that there was a list on the website I was looking at that kind of lists your occupation of what you probably should do. I mean, you have like engineers and stuff there scoring in the 40s, 30s and 40s, right? Well, mine was a janitor. (laughs) I don't think I'm sweeping any buildings, so I know I'm smarter than that. Some of those questions, they were kind of ridiculous. It's almost like you have to know that stuff right off the top of your head and be able to add really quickly and just notice things like really, really quickly. Uh, that's basically what the Wonderlick is. Maybe we'll do a show on that one day. But anyway, um, but uh, one of the reasons, one of the many reasons for the NFL's popularity, it's a year-round thing. How did it become that? Because of the combine as well as the NFL draft. Uh, it's all a part of what's called the NFL experience. And the more they let fans in on and let them see and what's televised, because this wasn't even televised until, I think, 2004. 
And when the draft was televised uh, through ESPN, I think it was in like 19, it was the early 80s, early 80s. And it was like, people going to watch the draft? It's like, yeah, they did. And it's only gotten better and better. So when it comes down to the combine, I think what you have to understand first and foremost that all of this player evaluation, it started with scouting. Who's good? I mean, common sense would tell you who's good, right? Again, it started with free agency, and then you had the NFL draft that was based on newspapers and magazines and word of mouth. And one of the examples uh, that I learned over the past couple of weeks, Tim Mara, who was the owner of the New York Giants, Wellington Mara, who ended up owning them, you know, well after his son uh, that was in high school, pretty much was he wasn't a scout but he's like dad you should draft this guy named uh tuffy lemons out of uh you know and, and that guy ended up being drafted uh I, I forgot the school but tuffy lemons was one of the better players in college they picked him and he ended up becoming a pro football hall of famer and he, he helped them to the 1938 nfl championship the new york giants so that tells you some of what you have to pay attention to so one of the things that really grew was scouting okay what's the history behind the combine what's the history of, of why they ended up putting this all together into one thing and up under one roof really so the one thing that you have to understand first about scouting is where you know it originated with we talked about it before eddie caudle he was the first full-time scout being hired in 1946 by Dan Reeves the owner of the Rams when they you know they had moved from the uh they had moved from Cleveland and they were with in LA and Coda was a guy that drove all over the place okay drove all over the place scouting and looking for players and that's how they built those really good Rams teams um we've talked about other whether we've delved into them deeply or whether we've talked about them just in passing. Cleveland Browns, we know about Paul Brown being the great head coach, but he had help. Sarge McKenzie and Dick Gallagher. Then there was Jack Venisi of the Packers. He set up Vince Lombardi for success, and he had passed away way too early, way too young. But the nucleus of those Packers teams in the 60s were built by Venisi. Uh, then there's the HBCUs that weren't being recruited or scouted by anybody. Enter Lloyd Wells of Kansas City, who was the first full-time black scout that was hired by the Kansas City Chiefs. And then also Bill Nunn Jr., who helped put those teams together for the Pittsburgh Steelers that won all of those Super Bowls. And of course, leave it to the Dallas Cowboys. They had a lot of innovative things, especially when they came into the league in 1960 going forward. Gil Brandt, who was the great scout, and then, of course, his GM and owner, uh, well, GM at the time, Tex Schramm. These guys had laid a foundation for scouting, and there were more guys that I would learn. They were they were scouts, um, but they were probably part-time scouts, not full-time scouts. Excuse me. So, from 1963 to 1967, there were actually three different scouting organizations that were formed. The first was called Lesto in 1963. That was uh, short for the Lions, Eagles, and Steelers Talent Organization. The next year in 64, they changed the name to Blesto because they added the Chicago Bears 
and then later on they would go to blessed ov because they added the not only the bears but the minnesota vikings by 1971 a year after the merger between the afl and the nfl it was called blessed eight just call it blessed v-i-i-i that was the bills the colts and dolphins that got added onto it go back to 1963 not long after lesto was first formed there was the central eastern personnel organization or cepo c-e-p-o the colts browns packers and cardinals all right it was renamed the united scouting united scouting rather when the atlanta falcons and the new york giants as well as to watch the football team join by 1983 the name was changed to national national football scouting to avoid confusion with the new usfl okay that's you know the one that we're used to or the united states football league not the one that's playing now it's just another incarnation of the same league in 1964 there was trioka all right or excuse me i knew i was going to say it wrong troika that's t-r-o-i-k-a now this was made up of the cowboys rams and 49ers just think you know dallas texas going out west just those three teams and the name was changed to quadra in 1967 because they added new orleans the saints in 82 by then quadra and the national blesto they both merged and that would be the first year of the well it was the national invitational camp why do all this if you go back to eddie Cottle of the rams like I said, he's the guy that got in his car and drove all over the country looking for college prospects. Eventually, he wouldn't be the only one to be doing that. That's expensive. So that's not the only, only thing of, that was negative about it. According to America's Game, the book that I love to read, costs were high for examining prospects. So, and I quote, NFL teams in the 60s began sharing resources of information in order to reduce individual teams' cost and allow for more standardized testing and measurement all right that started teams basically saying hey why don't we do all of this together you know let's let's share let's everybody put in all right it's almost like having a potluck everybody bring a dish so notice how these organizations were split up though you had northern teams teams in the central united states teams in the south to out going out west going back to the 70s and this is where i say pro days really came from the New York Jets were the first to actually invite college seniors to their headquarters for these physical and mental evaluations. So it wasn't so much a pro day as it was, uh, you know, as far as them being on a college campus, as it was the college guys coming to them. So I guess kind of a mini pro day within the organization. This happened in 1976. Problem is, these kids were still in school. They were having to pay for this travel <laughs> on their own their own selves i watched the video i don't know how many browns fans are listening to this right now but if you remember reggie langhorn who played alongside webster slaughter in the 80s langhorn was one of those guys who eventually was invited to the nfl combine okay this is in 1985 and he talked about how he didn't have the money because it was him and his dad he, he didn't have the money to actually pick up and, and fly and do that. He didn't have the money to travel like that. And I think it was to watch the football team, all due respect. <laughs> they were saying, no, 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 no. The teams that are in your area are responsible for flying you out there. And that's exactly what happened. 
You know, and this is in 1985. So, but at this point in the 70s, that wasn't happening, all right? So you have kids that did not have the money to do this travel on their own, and they were missing these classes <laughs> because they were trying to get to the league. But again, leave it to the Dallas Cowboys and their then president and GM, Tech Schramm, to offer up a solution. And apparently, Tech Schramm was the lead voice on centralizing the National Invitational Camp, as it was known. It was eventually would be called the NFL Combine, but it was the National Invitational Camp. So, the first camp was actually held in Tampa, Florida, and it was conducted by Indianapolis-based National Football Scouting, Inc. That camp had 163 players, and it was far from the, what, 336, 330-plus that we see show up today. Note this, though. Blesto and Quadra, they had their own separate camp still. By 1985, all three of these camps had merged, and it was renamed the NFL Combine at that time. That year, it was held in Phoenix before being moved to New Orleans in 1986. In 1987, the combine was finally moved to Indianapolis. It was called the Hoosier Dome then. Now it's the RCA Dome, where we know and love it today. And before we finish this thing up, I had to bring this back up. All right, it's story time with Uncle Mike. Get out your blankets. Yes, kids, gather around. If you don't have a blanket, get you a cot. If you don't have a cot, then you're just sitting for it. All right, just be quiet. All right, so... Going back to the 19, uh, 1985 NFL Combine, I found out it was a utter disaster. <laughs> you ever wonder why it's indoors? Anybody? Yeah, perfect conditions, right? In, in Indianapolis, even though it's cold up there, wouldn't you rather be in a dome stadium somewhere warm, you know, like in Phoenix now? Not Phoenix back then? Well, Common sense would tell you, yeah, that's that's the reason why. So I read up on the 85 combine just to see what it was like. Now, I found an article on stack.com, and it was written by Brandon Hall, giving him all due credit. The 85 combine was held in Phoenix at Arizona State University outdoors on the practice fields. There were about 250 uh, participants in that uh, combine that there were a couple of Hall of Famers in that 85 draft. I'm sure you know most of them. I'll name a couple <laughs> uh, Bruce Smith, Chris Dolman, Andre Reed, anybody, Kevin Green. All right. So, in that draft, by the way, the uh, just to throw this in here, the Kansas City Chiefs had the 15th pick and in that draft, and the 49ers, San Francisco, had the 16th pick. They had moved up from pick number 28. Now, I'm just gonna say this. Player A was a tight end, player B was a wide receiver. I probably already gave it away, and you know, if you know this, you just know it, but for those who don't, player A was a tight end. Uh, his career numbers, 212 receptions, 2,360 yards, 17 touchdowns, 20 total touchdowns he scored in his career. I'm not gonna name player B's stats yet, okay? Well. In Phoenix that year, here is the problem, and I'm going to quote from that article. Harry Buffington, the organizer behind the event, specifically selected Tempe due to the low amount of rain the Desert City traditional re traditionally received during the month of January. The decision backfired, per former NFL scout Greg Gabriel. He said it rained during two days of the event. All right, so... 
players were going through all these drills on wet grass in January and they were doing some of this stuff in the dark. AI, it's cold too, okay? Even though it's Arizona, out there in January, apparently it dives into the 30s after the sun goes down. So that's not great. Now, remembering that scouts, GMs, coaches, they want all these athletes to perform at the top of their ability, right? And the conditions were not conducive to expect as much or so you would think so one of these one of these guys one of these scouts this was a quote and i'm going to say blank for his name i wasn't worried about blank until we went to this thing in phoenix one afc personnel director claimed that bothers me he just didn't look like you would expect of a guy with what he has accomplished all right, so player B did not have a very good combine. His NFL career numbers, though, as a wide receiver, 1,549 receptions, 22,895 receiving yards, and 197 receiving touchdowns, 207 total touchdowns. Retired as the all-time leading receiver in NFL history. Yeah, you're right. It was Jerry Rice. <laughs> Jerry Rice was player B. Uh, now, I understand you play football and it's going to rain sometimes, right? But when you want these guys to be near flawless, having a combine in the cold and wet doesn't necessarily scream he's going to, going to do really good. He's going to be perfect. He's going to be perfect. Now, had he been perfect, okay. But there's little doubt, and I'm quoting again, the conditions impacted the athletes' results. Rice, for example, ran an uninspiring 4.58 40-yard dash right, and a molasses slow 4.65 20-yard shuttle drill. It should be much lower than that. And yeah, so the 49ers moved up from 28 to 16 and they selected Jerry Rice. And player A that they selected was none other than, and may you may not know him, Raiders fans should, tight end Ethan Horton. Ethan Horton made one pro bowl he was okay I, I i don't the only year he spent in kansas city was that rookie year that was it that was it and so because of a really really bad co conditions and a receiver that has set ncaa records at mississippi valley state so ah this small time college guy I, that's probably why they didn't select him and on top of that yeah i mean i think you should consider what was going on in the wet in the rain in the cold i even read at one point they didn't do vertical jumps with the little thing where you hit the hit the things they were doing it by a wall and had somebody have to jump up there and measure i guess with chalk or something it was terrible the next year in new orleans apparently it wasn't much better i didn't even see where they said whether it was in the dome or outside anyway you slice it it wasn't great it just wasn't great and instead of selecting a pro football hall of famer they got a guy for one year. The Chiefs were terrible at drafting. It, it, it's just what it is. Anyway, well, that's what happens when you have a job fair in, in underwear. I mean, you can't depend on everything that you see. You just never know who you are selecting. References, that's it. Thanks to NFL.com. Also, sportscasting.com. Article by John Moriello. Richard Sherman sets everyone straight on the NFL draft in the Wonder League test. That was in April 19, uh, 2020. Sports Illustrated, 
What is the Wonderlic test and why does the NFL use it? This was by Alex Nevis. Dated February 14th, 2016, right after Valentine's Day. All right. Stack.com, Brandon Hall's article, the 1985 NFL Combine sounds like a total disaster. Dated October 21st, 2019. Also, fansided.com, the Kansas City Chiefs. Y'all messed up bad. That's not what it says, but it says 1985 draft miss boasted San Francisco Dynasty. You got that right by <laughs> Cullen Jekyll. Also, the books, the books, the books. America's Game, the NFL at 100 by Jerry Rice and Randy O. Williams. And on the clock, the story of the NFL draft. This was written by Barry Wilner and Ken Rappaport. And also on YouTube, the NFL explained. They have some great videos, by the way. They're all uh, by NFL Networks. Cal Brandt, he's the one who does the voiceover for them. The evolution of the NFL draft. That's it. This has been the Behind the Mic podcast presented by Billy Up Sports. Billy Up Sports Podcast Network, BillyUpSports.com. Catch us on our home base of Spreaker. Other than that, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, YouTube. You tell your friends and your family about this show. I'll find your house. I'm out. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner.